we just finished um, John 14, 15, 16, 17. We just finished those. And, you know, we, we ended the last couple weeks of that just talking about the name of Jesus, the name of Jesus, the name above every other name. The name above every other name. And so the Lord spoke to me and said that we should take that and, and catapult. So he's catapulting us into um, discovery, more discovery about the name, the names of the Father, the names of our Lord. Because if we study the names of God, then we can better understand the completeness of Christ, right? Christ in us, the hope of glory. Hallelujah. So what a great time that today we're going to start that study on the names of God to get better revelation of the completeness of Jesus. Because when you're born again, what do you receive? When you're born again, you receive the very indwelling character of God, the Holy Spirit, right? Right? And so what better way to draw closer to God than to understand some of his names? He has well over a hundred, I know, but I don't know that we'll go through all those. And we're, we're actually going to go into some maybe lesser known, um, not, not maybe the ones like we covered a couple years ago, but looking at the names of God will help us grasp our identity in Christ. It will help us grasp, get a better understanding of our identity in Christ and the true destiny that the Father has for us. Does that make sense to you guys? Even if it doesn't, I'm going to preach it. <laughs> because the names of God will reveal to, him, to us who he is. Because Christ was the exact image of God and the fulfillment, right? In the new covenant, right? So... When we study his character, his heart, when we study his names, we get his character, his heart, we, we understand his covenant with us. And so the exact image of God revealed through us, through Christ, we will get a revelation of the fullness and the wonder and the beauty and the majesty of God's nature. So anyway, Ephesians 3.17. Just want to remind you that you are meant to walk in the fullness of Christ. Okay, we're just going to do that briefly. So that, verse 17, Ephesians 3, 17, today we'll be out of the NIV. So that Christ may dwell in your hearts through faith, and I pray that you, being rooted and established in love, the love of the Father, may have power together with all the saints. That's you. That's you. If you are a believer in Christ, he's describing you right here, may have power together with all the saints to grasp how wide and long and high and deep is the love of Christ. His love for you. And to know this love that surpasses knowledge. The love of the Father for you surpasses knowledge. That you, okay? When you see that you, it means so that, 
so that you may be filled to the measure of all the fullness of God. Hallelujah is right. That's something to shout about, beloved, because he's saying in the scripture that you are intended to be filled with the measure of all the fullness of God. Can anything come against that? You walking in the full measure. And that's what this church is about, is learning that. Right? Building ourselves up in our most holy faith. Now to him who is able to do immeasurably more than all we ask or imagine according to his power. Whose power? Not your works. Not your power. His power that is at work within us to him be the glory in the church and in Christ Jesus throughout all generations forever and ever. Amen. Hallelujah. That's some power. Hallelujah. That's some big love. <laughs> Colossians 2, 9 and 10. For in Christ, all the fullness of the deity lives bodily. All the fullness of the deity lives bodily. Who's in you if you're a believer? Christ. With, who is? All bodily. Wow who is the head over every power and authority. So this is who we are in Christ. We're just establishing this. This is who we are in Christ. You better believe it. With Christ as our Lord, if you've made him your Lord and Savior, who do you become in him? You become head over every demonic power and authority. That's you. Okay. So, we glory in Christ. Whoa, that is an awesome thought. We glory. We glory in Christ. I glory in Christ. Hallelujah. In Christ alone, him alone. And I continue to abide in him. I continue to abide in him so that... You, you continue to abide in him so that I, so that you become more and more his completeness on this earth. He needs you to walk in his completeness, to believe for his completeness to complete his mission. Right? Right. So, we're going to start with some names that denote his all-powerful status. You know, you can kind of group some of the names in different categories. So this is what, where we're going to start. We're going to start with the, the uh, names that describe his majesty, his completeness, his ultimate superior power over all other things, his authority, his divine presence, his exalted nature. Okay? Is that okay with everybody? Okay. So we're just going to start with L. E-L, okay? That means God, the God of Israel, 
That means God, but it can also mean lowercase g, you know, other pagan gods. It can refer to that. Um, most often, L is used with other names for God. In Numbers, it's actually used by itself, and it says Numbers 23:22. God brought them out of Egypt. Can you just stop and think about that for a minute? I think we take that story for granted. Think about what happened when he brought them out of Egypt. There wasn't a sick among them. You're talking about myriads of people just walked away from their captors. (laughs) Think about what he did. The God brought them out of Egypt. They have the strength of a wild ox. (laughs) Hallelujah. So this connotes God's might, his power, his strength, his greatness. Okay? It refers to his relentless nature and his omnipotent strength. It is combined with other names, like other attributes of God, to basically magnify them, those other traits or characteristics, okay? So when you combine L with other names for God, it serves to basically personify that supernatural power indicative in that name, okay? So, for instance, now, please don't um, hold me to my pronunciations, okay? I didn't look them up. El Ashad, E-C-H-A-D. It means one God, one God, capital O, capital G, okay? And... It doesn't just mean, like, one God. Like, of course, we know there are no other gods besides our God, right? Okay, but you have to understand that the world thinks, you know, differently. So it doesn't just refer, like, to one God. You know, like, the one God of this, the one God of that. Okay, it's not like that. It's the one God. And it generally connotes A unified one. Oh boy, when I think about this, unified one, okay? It's like, uh, it can also be like a numerical oneness, like Elishad. And what it really means is, he is the one. The only God, the ultimate might, the ultimate power. Now in in Deuteronomy 6.4, it says, Hear, O Israel, Yahweh is our God. Yahweh is one. It most often, like I said, is like unified one. So for example, it, but it can be a numerical oneness. So when he said there that uh, in Genesis 2.24, when it said the two shall become one, okay, that was the reference there. Um, but but what I'm going to talk about most is the 
um, the, unif- the unified oneness. It refers to Father, Son, and Holy Ghost. Father, Son, and Holy Ghost. Do you realize that you have the fathers in the oneness of God, the Father, the Son, the Holy Ghost? Everything you need. When I think about the fact that I am walking around with the Father, the Son, and the Holy Ghost, that encourages me. I think, wow. (laughs) Wow. You are so good, God. You are so awesome. Just think about the unified power. Just think about the Trinity. Mark 12, 29. One of the teachers of the law came and heard them debating, noticing that Jesus had given them a good answer. He asked him, of all the commandments, which is the most important? The most important one, answered Jesus, is this. Hear, O Israel, the Lord our God, the Lord is one. Wow. That's who you have for you and not against you. Love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your mind, with all your strength. The second is this, love your neighbor as yourself. There is no commandment greater than these. So when I think about them, this is me, okay, this is me. I like to try to delineate. This is me. When I think about this, I think about the fact that I have the all in all with me. I have the all in all with me. I have the one of unified greatness. Does that make sense to you guys? Of unified greatness. Everything about God, everything about Jesus, everything about the Holy Spirit. They are one and they are with me. They are with you. The Holy Spirit goes before you everywhere you go if you're a believer in Christ. Okay? I think about how faithful he is to me. I think about how much he loves me. I think about that he's for me and not against me. That he is the ultimate one. The mighty, the powerful, the holy one. The only one of true power and might. The only one of true power and might. Okay. Then we're going to Talk about El Elyon, E-L-Y-O-N. This means God most high. God most high. Genesis 14, 20. And blessed be God most high who delivered your enemies into your hand. Hallelujah. Then Abram gave him a tenth of everything. So, I went to Strong's here, and Strong's, this means high. It means uppermost. Uppermost. Exalted above. 
So I, I think about these names and I think about, well, what does the true revelation of that name, what does that mean to me in my life? All right? I mean, we can just think about these names and, and they're wonderful, but think about applying these names woo, to your life, your everyday life. Okay? Make it applicable. So I thought about this and I thought, you know, wow. He's the uppermost. He's above everything else. In my life, when I, this gives me great security. This gives me great assurance when I face trials of all kinds. Right? So, because why? <laughs> because why? That's good grammar. <laughs> because. <laughs> Because God most high has not a single rival. Woo! He has not a single rival. Amen. You want him walking around with you? Yes. <laughs> hey, God, this guy thinks he can rival, so I know you've already taken care of that. <laughs> So you should have really great confidence Amen. when you enter into trials of all sorts. And believe me, are you living in a trialed-up world? Are you living in some wor a world that has some really backward thoughts that are ungodly thoughts that are trying to be crammed down your throat? Any kind of thinking that is not straight out of this scripture, any kind of thinking that is antithetical to this word is of the devil. And you have the God who's above it all. <laughs> there is no God higher than our God. There is no trial that we are going to face in this world that can ascend to the height of our Lord. Every, and I said every, opposition to him has to fall. Every opposition to his position. He is higher than all, he surpasses all others, and he is for us as his children. My daddy's bigger than your daddy. <laughs> right? Do you ever think about that? You got the greatest daddy of all. The biggest the highest. Nothing can challenge him. Nobody, okay, now you know that I, uh, when I say these things, um, you know, I have to be a little bit careful because I will never stand in this pulpit and limit Christ in you, right? But in our moments, in moments, I won't even claim our, in moments of like carnality, Okay, because who here walks perfectly before the Lord? Yeah, so, you know, but sometimes we have carnal moments, don't we? Yeah, and we want to repent over those and, you know, take them back to the Lord. But in, in moments of carnality, we have that. So no one will ever exactly perfectly on this earth probably. I shouldn't, okay, you can disagree with me if you want. See, totally, 100%, perfectly eye to eye 
with, with God, right? I mean, we could because it's all right here. So, right? But do we do it? Do we walk it? Okay? So, but the nice thing is, the beautiful thing is, is that even though on a particular subject, I might not be seeing eye to eye with him, okay? All I have to do is get this out. All I have to do is look at the word because it's all right here and it's all free to me. Jesus tore the veil. There is no separation. And so I get this out and he says to me, here's my wisdom, Lisa Marie. And he gives it to me and he gives it to you. No holes barred. So when I seek his wisdom in every situation, he exalts me above my foes. Right? Because his wisdom cannot be challenged. Now, don't go around and do it some other way and say, I sought the Lord and blah, blah, and I didn't, I wasn't exalted above my foes. No, (laughs) I'm sorry. If you do it like this, The end is that you are exalted above that foe. Anything that comes against the word of God in your life. Okay? All right. The other really awesome thing when I think about this name, El Elyon, is that nobody, no thing, no demonic force can go toe-to-toe with our God. Nothing can go toe-to-toe with him. I can rest in him. I get to rest in my father, and he fights my battles. He's already won them all. Right? He already has the victory. So I just fall back into into my father. Okay? The other revelation, and I'm sure there are many revelations that every single one of you will get from this name, but the other revelation that I wanted to talk about today is that this name of God helps me and and you guard our hearts against pride. It helps us guard our hearts against self-aggrandizement. It helps guard our hearts against arrogance and self, okay? Because he is the uppermost. What does pride do? Pride exalts itself, right? It causes one to exalt himself or herself. And what did Christ do? Christ was selfless, even unto death, right? He's our great example. So, so we can do this. This name helps us remember this. So when I meditate on this name, I am encouraged to be humble. I am encouraged to put him first. I am encouraged to be selfless like he is selfless. So when I see someone that has hurt me, see, nobody can hurt me. We can allow people to hurt us. But truthfully, if we are walking as Christ walked, we're going to see the pain in that person first. We're going to have compassion and mercy for that person. And we're going to say, you know what? That person didn't do that to me. 
on purpose or whatever, it's, it came out of pain. And I can forgive that, okay? So anyway, so this, this name helps me to not be so judgmental of other people. I'm no loftier than anybody, right? I want to consider others. The only high and lofty one, there is only one, the only high and lofty one is our Father, our God. And we've all sinned, and you are not the one to judge another person's sin. We leave that to the Father, okay? Now, when I say that, don't get me wrong, do we call sin, sin? Yes, we call sin, sin. Is it our, our calling not to sin? Of course, we can only do that through Christ, okay? But the, different, the thing that I'm getting at is you don't look at the person and judge the person and judge their sin as any worse than any sin that you have, okay? Does that make sense? Okay. Um, I must not, I must not, place myself above another in pride or arrogance or like the Pharisees did, right? What did, what did the Pharisee say about the tax collector? I'm glad I'm not like him. Oh, well, what did Jesus have to say to the Pharisees? What did he call them? He called them vipers at one point. Okay? So let's read Luke 18, verse 10 through 14. Two men went up to the temple to pray. One a Pharisee and the other a tax collector. The Pharisee stood by himself and prayed, God, I thank you that I am not like other people. Robbers, evildoers, adulterers, or even like this tax collector. Oh my gosh, can you even imagine saying that to somebody? I mean, no, I'm, I'm really being serious here. Can you even imagine thinking that thought or saying that? Yikes. I fast twice a week. I give a tenth of all I get. But the tax collector stood at a distance. He would not even look up to heaven, but he beat his breast and said, God, have mercy on me. Have mercy on me. A sinner. Now, once you're a believer, you're no longer called a sinner. You might sin, but you are not a sinner, okay? I tell you that this man, rather than the other, went home justified before God. <coughs> For all those who exalt themselves will be humbled, <coughs> and those who humble themselves will be exalted. So you see what the Pharisee did? He's like, man, I'm glad I'm not like him. I do all these wonderful, great, and perfect works. But his heart was wrong. See, that's a wrong heart. That's, that's not a submitted heart. We want to have submitted hearts. And we don't want to think ourselves better than others. Because like we said before, there's only one truly worthy of praise. So when I remember... <laughs> that God is the most high, and I am here to glorify him and him alone, and he loves us all the same. The exact same. 
So I will not lift up my heart against another. I will not lift up my heart in pride against another. Didn't he even say that? In Micah 6, 8, it says, Act justly, love mercy, walk humbly before your God. And he says, everybody wants to stop right there, but he says, this is good and required. This is good and required. So this strengthens me to walk in the command of love. Remember Nebuchadnezzar? You know, he got warned. Daniel warned him. And he's, you know, about the ultimate destructiveness of his pride. He didn't listen, and what happened to him? He groveled along the ground like a wild beast for seven years until when? (laughs) Until he chose to acknowledge the Lord. And only when he humbled his heart and acknowledged the Lord was he released and restored. When we humble ourselves, restoration is ours. Okay, El Gibhor, or Gibor, G-I-B-B-H-O-R. There are two that are kind of alike, but this one is G-I-B-B-H-O-R. It means mighty God, Isaiah 9, 6. For to us a child is born, to us a son is given, and the government will be upon his shoulders, and he will be called Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, Prince of Peace. Mighty God. This is strong and mighty. Nothing compares to the strength of our God. This is a champion. This is a great helper. This is a hero. This is one outstanding in might. A mighty and valiant warrior with no compare. Wow. And other than God, this this name is only used, it might be more than two, but I only know two. So some of you might, not, might know more than I. But it was only used a few times in the scripture to refer to a human being. It was used for Nimrod, who was called a mighty hunter and a mighty warrior. And that was in Genesis 10, verse 8. Cush was the father of Nimrod, who grew to be a mighty warrior on the earth, He was a mighty hunter before the Lord. That is why it is said, like Nimrod, a mighty hunter before the Lord. And the other place that I know that it was used of was to refer to David's three mighty men in 2 Samuel. Other than that, I mean, that's what I know. So this name of God, El Gibhor, helps us understand that he is the ultimate in might, the ultimate in all might, the one who has already, already won every battle. And when we are in his presence, what this makes me think about is I am totally taken care of 
like nothing is going to touch me. I am in the presence of the mighty one. Hallelujah. He's never anxious. He's never worried about anything, about any outcome. Think about that, okay? Think about you and how you might react. I'm not going to say that you get anxious, but let's just, you know, how you might react. And then you think about the Lord and you go, what? Like, Lord, you're not worried about this. Why, why, would I even, why would I even be concerned? Why should I take an anxious thought? Right? Why should I even be concerned about this? God is not wondering what's going to happen. <laughs> you know? Just not. He, he, he doesn't ponder that. He's not concerned about any foe. None. None. He's not concerned about any foe. Not one single thing. Ever. And that's who's got you. If you're a believer in Christ, that's who's got you in the palm of his hand. That's who's counseling you. What does the word say? He counsels you with his loving eye upon you. Right? He sees every single situation already done. Already finished. Already accomplished. He sees you in the eternal destiny that he has for you, he sees you completed in that. That's how he sees you. So, beloved, take confidence. Man, this makes me feel awesome because he is omnipotent. No power above his power. He already overcame sin and death. What in the world do you have to worry about? (laughs) He overcame. So, when I receive Christ, I overcome. Just period. That's how it is. All opposition has absolutely no choice but to bow to my father. And he's taking care of me. <laughs> he has already defeated every foe. Philippians 2.8. And being found in appearance as a man, he humbled himself and became obedient to death, even death on a cross. Therefore God exalted him to the highest place and gave him the name that is above every name, that at the name of Jesus, every knee should bow in heaven and on earth and under the earth, and every tongue confess that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God our Father. Hallelujah. 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 Hallelujah! You serve a Jesus that has given you the name above every other name in heaven and on earth. In heaven and on earth. To his glory. I'm all tangled up. 
to his glory. He will be glorified. Yes, he will. Hallelujah. Zephaniah 3, 16 and 17. On that day, they will say to Jerusalem, Do not fear, O Zion. Do not let your hands hang limp. The Lord your God is with you. He is mighty to save. from every anti-word force, any demonic force. That's salvation, that's healing, provision, protection, it's all of it. He is mighty to save. He will take great delight in you. He will quiet you with his love. See, that's what we need to realize, beloved. It's already been handled. Allow him to quiet you with his love. He takes delight in you. And he quiets you with his love. Jeremiah 10.6 No one is like you, O Lord. You are great, and your name is mighty in power. His name is mighty in power. Can I give you one more? Oh, good. <laughs> this one is El Olam, O-L-A-M. L, E-L, O-L-A-M. Genesis 21:33. Abraham planted a tamarisk tree in Beersheba. And there he called on the name of the Lord, the eternal God. Oh, I forgot to tell you what it means. It means everlasting God. Eternal God. What does that mean? That means his covenant with you is totally unshakable. That means his covenant with you will never be changed. That means his covenant with you goes on forever and ever and ever. He called on the name of the Lord. The, he called on the name of the Lord, the eternal God. And Abraham stayed in the land of the Philistines for a long time. And do you know what Beersheba means? It means well of the oath. That's God's covenant with you. He says in his word that he will never alter his covenant with you. He will never alter what has gone out of his lips. For all of eternity, you have a faithful God for all of eternity forever and ever. His promises are irrevocable. His kingdom never comes to an end. He 
He is everlasting. He is eternal. Nothing can change him. Nothing can bring him down. Nothing can bring him to an end. No counterforce in all of the universe will ever outlast him. This is the God you have as your father if you love Jesus Christ. Wow. Man, I am taken care of. I don't have to worry about anything. In Strong's, I want to tell you what Strong's, the definition in Strong's. For all ages, all successive, always continual. Think, okay, think about the word continual. There'll never be a breach in the dam. Do you see that? Continual, continual, continual. There'll never be an interruption in that. You see what that means? It doesn't just mean lasting forever. It means continual, no interruptions. No power outages. <laughs> I have eternal life. I have eternal life. There is never going to be a power outage in my home. There doesn't ever have to be a power outage in your home. Woo! Fire all the time. <laughs> Holy Spirit. Okay, where was I? Everlasting, forever and ever, permanent, perpetual, never-ending. Because God is everlasting and eternal. Without end, our redemption through Christ is without end. It is secure. Wow. Forever and ever, all of eternity. Hebrews 9, verse 14 how much more then will the blood of Christ, who through the eternal spirit offered himself unblemished to God, cleanse our conscience from acts that lead to death so that we may serve the living God. You serve a living God who is in you, who is for you, who is with you. It is a living God, a living God, a God of life and power and excellence and majesty and abundance and mercy and love. You serve the living God. For this reason, Christ is the mediator of a new covenant. Do not think you serve the same old covenant. It was fulfilled and it is better. We have the blood of Christ. That those who are called may receive the promised eternal inheritance. 
That's you in Christ. Now that he has died as a ransom to set them free from the sins committed under the first covenant. Hallelujah. Praise your Lord. I'm serious. Praise him. Praise you, Father. Thank you, Father. Hallelujah. You are for me and not against me. Greater is he who is in me than he who is in the world. You have started a good work in me, and you will finish it unto the day of Christ Jesus. Hallelujah. So that's what the Lord told me to talk to you all about today. And so that's what I did. And so now... 